Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Good morning, church family, uh, or whatever time zone it is that you're watching from. It's just a privilege to sort of be your adopted pastors, adopted churches for a temporary period of time for so many of you who can't get online with your own church family. It's a privilege to serve you that way. Now, how many are washing your hands these days more than you ever have in your entire life? And you know how to sneeze and cough, you head right for the elbow. But there's another phrase that's being used, encouraged by our governmental and and medical uh, authorities. And they're saying, I have a hard time saying it, so I'm going to need your help. Social, you can understand why that's so difficult for a pastor to say that word. You know, you get in the chat room, you you, you can say what it is, because you know. Social distancing, physical distancing, keeping our distance from one another. That's so difficult for a pastor to to say or encourage people to do because we spend our entire lives trying to bring people together in closeness and unity and community. But you know what I found in the Gospel of Luke where we have been for uh, since the beginning of this year in a series about Jesus, the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, I found what I think is the most severe case of social distancing that Jesus ever encountered in his earthly ministry. But before we get there, let's just pause and take a moment just to thank God that we're able to get together like this. You know, I've just been thanking God for the vision of Pastor Jonathan and our deacon board a couple of years ago uh, that got us online to do services and people who couldn't get to church or were checking out church, but also They never could have envisioned that God could use that step of faith that they took in in a way that would be so practically helpful to people who could not connect. I mean, we've been able to praise the Lord together in song, and uh, peace has come to our hearts as we have just realized, God, you're with us, and then now we can feed our souls from... uh, the truths of the Bible from what Jesus did with a rejectable guy. I mean, you can get into the chat room. Pastor Jonathan is just encouraging. Listen, during my teaching time, if you want to, if a question comes to your mind or you want to make a comment, at the end of my teaching time, Pastor Gord's going to join me and we're going to have a bit of Q&A. And uh, let us know what you want us to just talk about a little bit further or comment on a little bit further. And uh, Pastor Jonathan also talked about that we, we, we can get together every morning, Monday to Friday, 9.30, all right? 9.30 every morning. Because one church TO, take five, one of our pastors will be doing an encouragement, just taking five minutes, inserting into your day some encouragement. But Monday's going to be special. Monday at 9.30, it's one church TO, take 30. And I'm going to be there tomorrow morning. And uh, we're going to talk about King David, going into isolation, wasn't able to go to work at the job that God had given him, 
isolated from his family, people that he loved, during that time where King Saul was pursuing him, his life was in danger. I mean, just so many parallels to what your experience is. We can learn a lot from King David. Join me at 9.30 uh, tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that interactive, uh, live 30 minutes with you tomorrow morning. Now, back to the business at hand. We're in a series where we have seen Jesus deal with uh, all kinds of people, confrontational people, unpleasable people, manipulative people, and today, rejectable people. How many of people in your life you just rather avoid, just rather not be around? They're, they're those rejectable people. You know, they sort of don't get picked on a team. Now, we're going to watch a video, but when you watch it, you'll notice it took place back in the good old days, <laughs> prior to social distancing, but you'll get the point. Vinny. Jerry. I guess this guy? Who is this guy? Alright, let's go! Yeah. find out uh, who the rejectable guy was in Jesus' time. By the way, over 269 are already in the chat room. Bring in those questions or comments that you have for our Q&A time at the end. And uh, I was just told Summer saying, hi, Pastor Keith, and hi to you. <laughs> Love you. And uh, I got something good to share with you today. Look at Luke 8, page 66, if you have your Jesus Project uh, book for those in our church family. This has got to be the most severe case of social distancing you'll find in the Gospels. But listen to me, they are not practicing social distancing for the right reasons. They, they're rejecting this guy. People do not want to be around this guy. The Jewish people, they live on the other side of the lake. He's over on the Gentile side of the lake. You know what they called them? Unclean. They were non-kosher food eaters, they'd eat, you know, bacon. <laughs> and, and so they, they were just not up to par, not up to standard to, to their religious ways that they had. And so they were glad that they were on the other side of the lake. Look at, uh, look at verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, notice Jesus initiates this trip to the other side of the lake. He says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So, Jesus told us to. They got into a boat and started out. This rejectable guy was over there, but he was not just rejected by Jewish people because of his you know, religious and cultural background. He was also rejected by his own people because of his behavior. Uh, 
Now, we're going to read about it in verse 26 here, but a warning, okay? Before we read, this part gets a bit creepy, gets a bit weird. So they arrived in the region of Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. What a welcoming committee. For a long time, he had been homeless, naked, living in tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. All right, a man possessed by demons, falling like a wild animal in front of Jesus, naked, shrieking and screaming, homeless living in tombs. How many would like to have this guy move in as your neighbor? I mean, this guy had more hang-ups than the person that calls you to see if you want your furnace ducts cleaned. Or how many have gotten that call from the CRA? You know, that scam call just saying, this is the CRA, you know, you're going to face charges and go to court unless you send us your money and call this number. I mean, he, this, this guy, just people just hung up on him, hung up on him. He was a reject. Now, before we leave verse 28, though, look at this. Check this out. He screams, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Now, interfere with him? Torture him? That's the opposite of what Jesus does for someone. So, where did he get that idea? Jesus himself said, I have come to heal you who are broken. I have come to set free someone who's, you know, under the control of powers of darkness, set free the captive who's oppressed. Where would he ever gotten these ideas? Well, listen, have you ever met um, someone who has had this kind of a severe case of rejection? There are some people that that's all they've known right from their mother's womb is rejection. You know, you were not wanted and given away. Maybe they don't even know who their parents are. Go from foster home to foster home or however it's handled in the country that you live in. But they just live their whole lives. They just know that they're rejected. They're not part of the right class system. They're just a reject. And so they think, well, that's the way that I'm going to act then. The concept then of someone coming into their life, I'm wanting good for them. They're going to be suspicious of that. Someone that would love them unconditionally, they don't have a place to put that in their minds. And they're only comfortable with being rejected. And I've met people, listen to me, they'll seriously position themselves to try and get you to reject them because that's what they're comfortable with. They're not comfortable with the, the, you know, anything good or love or, or care. They'll, they'll run from that. But they'll, they'll position themselves to be rejected because they know how to handle that. So how does Jesus handle rejectable people? Now, I got thinking, listen, if we leave it there, you're going to say, man, that's what a rejectable person is? Someone who's that severe of a case of rejectability? Let's widen the lens a bit and realize that that may have been the most severe case, but there were a lot of milder cases of rejectability, and Jesus reached out to them. Uh, remember the blind man? Do you ever read in the Gospels about the blind man? Jesus and his entourage are making their way into the town of Jericho, and uh, there's this blind guy that's calling out. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what do the people tell him? They say, be quiet, be quiet. You know, Jesus got no time for blind people. You're a reject, just be quiet. And he calls it all the louder, the Bible says. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears him and he says, listen, he says, bring him to me. And Jesus heals him. Isn't that great? The, the person that others reject, Jesus brings healing to. And remember that immoral, multi-divorced, living with a guy, Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, that gospel of John chapter 4, you can read her story. I mean, she is just so rejected by her community because of her lifestyle and her history. No one trusts her. And so uh, she's so rejected that she goes out to get water at the well, the community well, at high noon, the hottest part of the day, because she knows no one will be out there to pick on her at that time. The other women go in the cool of the day to get the water for their families. And, but Jesus meets her out there at noon in the heat. And Jesus says, I've got water for you that'll satisfy you spiritually forever. It's living water. And, and she is so uh, loved and changed that she goes back into her community to the very people who rejected her and tells them about Jesus. Man, Jesus just... People that were rejected by others, Jesus just healed them. And then, uh, remember Zacchaeus, the short guy that uh, on the parade route where Jesus is coming to town, he goes up on the tree so he can see Jesus. And he was a tax collector. So he's about as popular in his town as COVID-19 is. And, and people just want to stay away from him. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come. I want to have lunch with you today. Jesus saw a spiritual hunger in him. The guy became a philanthropist after his encounter with Jesus. Jesus just would, all right, here's what we're saying. Jesus went out of his way to offer rejectables healing. You know, sometimes when I prepare a teaching for you, I have a song going through my head in the study times because it just fits. We're going to sing it at the end. Richard's going to lead us in singing it. But remember that song that talks about the overwhelming, matchless love of God? One part of it says, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. There's no lie you won't tear down coming after me, you know? <laughs> this Luke 8 rejectable could have said, there's ain't no lake <laughs> wide enough. There's no rejectability that's severe enough to keep you, Jesus, from coming after me. Whatever our cases of rejectability are, however isolated we are, marginalized by other people, left out of the team, Jesus goes out of his way to offer rejectables healing. Now, second, Jesus sees beyond our rejectability to what we can become, to what we can be. You know, I've been thinking about it. How did this man on the other side of the lake get into this severe case, this worst case of rejectability. We're not told, but I, I, just to speculate a little bit, the only clue we have is that he uses the word legion. When Jesus tries to pray over him, he uses the word legion as to how he got into this condition. And legion is just totally a military term from that time. It referred to a cohort or a group of uh, three to 5,000 Roman soldiers. Why is that just right there on his mind? You put that clue together with the history of what we do know at the time. Uh, Roman emperor 
Pompeii conquered Jerusalem in 63 before Christ. So 60 years before Jesus shows up on the planet. But in those next decades, as they would take over and burn houses and, and dominate people, as they would move in, there'd be these revolts and uprisings. A number of them happen up in the Galilee area where this guy lived. And uh, they would just, the, the Roman legions would move in and just try to make such an example of these people that revolted against them. They would massacre them. They would even crucify them. So it made me wonder, just speculating, but made me wonder, who knows what atrocities this rejectable man had to deal with as a little boy? Who knows what he and his family went through? You know, it's speculation, but this is not. It doesn't matter whether we became rejectable because of choices we made and mess-ups and we got ourselves into that condition, or whether we got there because we responded to people rejecting us and began to think of ourselves as rejectable. In other words, sins, not that we have done, but sins done against us. For Jesus, it really doesn't matter what your behavior or background is. He wants to heal you. And that's exactly what he does. Jesus prays for this man. He heals him. And, and look what happens when this rejectable man, this, you know, worst case rejectable, is set free. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Oh, I love this. Do you see this? He, he, here's the condition he was in before. He, he was possessed by demons. That's pretty scary. Now, the man, he's known as the man who has been freed from demons. Before, he fell down like a wild animal in front of Jesus, like out of control. Now he's sitting peacefully at the feet of Jesus. Before he was naked, now he's fully clothed. Before he was shrieking and screaming, now he's perfectly sane and healed. He was homeless, he was living out in the tombs. Now he, Jesus sends him back to his family in town. It's amazing, talk about flipping the script in someone's life, making them a, a new person. And Jesus isn't done with them yet. Look at this. Jesus provides a whole new future of meaningful purpose. You see it in verse 38. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. He wanted to just go with Jesus. That's what I want to see in my future with you, Jesus. But Jesus had a different future for him. It was more meaningful. He had a purpose. He said, but Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family. Maybe some healing needed there. And tell them everything God has done for you. He wanted other people to know of his loving power. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. I wonder how many of you, and it could be a lot of us in this, you know, stay-at-home COVID environment trying to prevent any spread of this, but we were, we're in a place where we don't want to be. But you know what? This man wanted to go with Jesus. He didn't want to go back home and stay there, but, but he, Jesus told him to. And you can be in a place you don't want to be right now and be exactly where God wants you to be. You know, not where I want to be, but God says, I want you to bloom where you're planted. I have people there for you to reach. One of the neat things about this whole experience we're seeing already is people are 
in relationship, often it's, you know, online or groceries or helping. People are in relationship with people that they otherwise never would have had opportunity to get to know. Conversations are happening that otherwise never would have happened. All right, so what are the two takeaways that we can take away from how Jesus handled a rejectable? Two of them for you to pray about before we move into our Q&A time and feel free to send any questions that you have in for Pastor Gordon and we'll, we'll talk about them together, all right? But here's the first one. See what people across the lake can become if they just experience Jesus. Some of the most rejectable people. See what they can become if they just experience Jesus. How many of you noticed that the coronavirus is bringing the worst out of some people on the planet. You know, you got the scammers and the rip-off artists and uh, people just being opportunistic and vulturistic about the way they're treating others, being very selfish. For a follower of Jesus, this is a time for the best to come out of us. Some people are saying, well, yeah, but we're in unknown territory. We've never been here before as a human race. Well, th that's true to some extent. Certainly not in our lifetime, but interesting to look back in history. I think we can learn a lot from the Christians in the years, listen to me, 249 to 262. Why go back there? Because that was the time of the Great Plague in the Roman Empire. The Bithynian Plague, some refer to it as. It, it, was, it was, at one point, there were 5,000 people dying every day. Now, that was in a world with a population, billions of people smaller than what we have today. In one city, 62% of the population died from the pandemic. Those who write about it said it, it invaded every house, every, you know, rich people, poor people, male, female, different age groups. Why am I telling you that? Because listen to this. For Christians, <laughs> for Christians, it was also one of the times the church experienced its greatest growth. One of the best ways I can help us understand is to quote from a non-Christian sociologist who wrote a New York Times bestseller, a book about why did the church grow, and he tries to explain it from sociological reasons, but he says this, Christians sacrificing for non-Christians resulted in the early church experiencing exponential growth as non-Christian survivors who benefited from the care of their Christian neighbors converted to the faith en masse. These Christians just sort of rose to the occasion. Where others were panicking, they spoke peace. Where others would flee, they would move in and care for people that even their families had abandoned. Why? Because they wanted everyone to know the forgiveness of Jesus, and they knew this life was not all that there is. Everyone's going to die, but not everyone will know the forgiveness and the eternal life that Jesus wants everyone to know. And so they were doing what Jesus asked them to do, and they went in and, and helped people. Listen, when COVID-19 is history, how many can say with me, May that be said of us, that we were the voice of peace where others were panicking and we did good and we helped people out. Whether they're followers of Jesus or not, we just love people the way that Jesus loved all people. Do you remember, do you remember that story where Jesus talks about, he says, in the afterlife, you know, when we're all before him, left planet earth, we're all before him. He says, there'll be people before me that will have been my followers 
And he'll say, I want to thank you for taking care of me when I was hungry and when I was thirsty, when I was sick and when I was in prison. And they'll say, what? Whatever are you talking about, Jesus? Whenever did we do that? And then Jesus says this. He says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did to me. Whatever you did for rejectable people, you did for me. Whatever you did for marginal, overlooked people, people that no one else is helping, but you move in and you help them. Whatever you did, I, I saw that, and I was with you. You did that for me. Now, in our community groups this Wednesday, listen, Pastor Jonathan told me over 200 joined and were uh, interacting with us last Wednesday night. I'm going to be there this Wednesday night, community groups, and uh, we're going to talk about one of the questions that I have for us is what are creative ways that we can help? You know, my wife... Um, has always been helping out uh, neighbors in our condo building. And of course, when uh, this pandemic increased in its seriousness, we made sure our family and relatives and church family that maybe can't even get out to church, we checked in a lot of them. Um, but, uh, but also our, our neighbors. And uh, it's interesting, one of our neighbors, and she was with us online last night. I'm glad I said good things about her. But she was with us online last night because she's one of our neighbors and we invited her to join us online. Uh, but Esther, my wife, was offering to help. And is there, are you checking in or are you all right? She, she answered back. She says, yes, I'm fine. And she said, and if you need any toilet paper, she says, I was at a store and everyone was scrambling to get toilet paper, so I got lots of it. What is this thing with toilet paper? Anyway, Friday was my day off last week, and I was just trying to think, okay, how can, I, you know, thinking about this teaching, and how can I practice what I'm teaching? And I thought, well, I'm going to phone down to the pharmacy that's on the first floor of our condo building and see if there's anyone that can't get out to get their medication that I could do delivery for them. So I phoned. I said, any shut-ins and, you know, introduce myself, any way I can help? He says, actually, I've got one right now. So I went down and my wife and I went and made the delivery. We came back as soon as we came back to see if there's anything else. He wanted to pay me. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this for that reason. I'm just, just trying to help you. And they said, oh, that's amazing, you know, that you'd be doing that. And I said, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm just trying to think, what would Jesus do in this situation? And, uh, but you know, I, I, here I, he said, I would, here's what he said. He said, I was hoping that I could hire you on to do more deliveries. So, so I, I always have this part-time job waiting for me. <laughs> but we can find ways. Be, be part of our community groups online uh, this Wednesday evening. And let's, let's learn from each other. What we're really talking about here is bringing the presence of Jesus to people. That's what we're talking about. How can we bring the presence of Jesus to people in these days that we're living in now? Now, it's almost humorous to see the role, the limited role that the disciples had in getting Jesus across the lake to this rejectable person. Actually, all they did was got him across the lake. All the disciples did was row, row, row your boat and got Jesus across the lake where he could minister to a rejectable person. I've been thinking about that. I think that's what greater role could we have than to just bring the presence of Jesus to people like the disciples did. You know, that, that's what we're going to be able to do this Good Friday, just be telling people, you know, Good Friday... 
join our church as an online service. You know what's going to happen? People will join us and they're going to see Jesus died on the cross for them. That's how valuable they are to Jesus. And then Easter, the message Pastor Jonathan will be sharing about Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life in heaven. And people are going to experience forgiveness and eternal life. You know, just all, all because all you, you, brought, you brought the presence of Jesus to people in need. You told them about those online opportunities. Now, there's part of the story here about the disciples getting Jesus across the lake that I haven't even told you anything about yet. When they were going across the lake, Jesus is tired. He's been helping a lot of people. He goes to sleep. While Jesus is sleeping, a storm comes up, and the wind comes up, and then the waves come up, and water comes in the boat, and, and the disciples are like, you know, having, there's 12 of them, right? So they're having 12 floating anxiety attacks, you know? And, and they're just, just, they call to Jesus. They wake up, Master, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus gets up, and here, here's what he says to them. He says, oh, you of little faith. Now, why would Jesus say that? Well, think about it. The Son of God is in the boat. Is anybody going to drown? <laughs> when you're with Jesus and you have Jesus in your boat and you're traveling with him, how many know as long as you live, you are able to get to the place that Jesus wants you to go. If Jesus is in the boat, the boat ain't going down. If Jesus is in the boat, that boat is going to get to the destination he wants it to get to. So, follower of Jesus in 2020. How many understand that COVID-19 did not catch Jesus by surprise? This storm, worldwide storm for the whole human race. Listen, but Jesus knows what it is to encounter things with his followers and get them through to the other side. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in our time, in our generation. We can say with Queen Esther and her uncle, the Old Testament book in the Bible, who knows but that we haven't been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Listen, if Jesus is with us in our lives, he's with us in our church, he's going to get us to where he wants us to go. How many were around when 9-11 happened? And people said, well, what's the world going to be like? What's society going to be like on the other side of this? You know, and, and, and we got to the other side of it, and Jesus was with us. And how many around for SARS hit Toronto particularly badly? And people thought, how many are going to die? How far is this thing going to go? And, and, and what's going to happen? What will life be like on the other side? And we got to the other side, and Jesus was with us. Listen, we're in a time of COVID-19 right now, but how many know Jesus is with us, and he's going to get us through to the other side? You know, what's the best thing we can do as we are traveling with Jesus through this storm and bringing peace to the lives of others. What's the best thing we can do? The best thing I know we can do is bring the presence of Jesus to people. COVID-19 is an opportunity to bring the presence, the peace, and the power of Jesus to people who are in need. Hey, do you want to be a part of that? <laughs> Let's pray together. So Lord, first of all, I pray for people who right now 
need to know you're with them in the boat. <laughs> I pray for people that, that need to know that you have power to bring peace to any and every storm that we will have in human experience. Lord, COVID-19 did not catch you by surprise. You've got it all under control. You're going to get us through to the other side. But there are people right now that I'm praying for, Jesus, that need to receive your peace. Maybe people have been frantically wondering about jobs and friends and family and other people that they're distant from. May we just pause right now and say, Jesus, I receive your peace. I receive your peace. You're traveling with me. This boat ain't going down. Thank you, Lord. We take a moment to receive your peace now. And Lord, I, I pray as well that we would shine as your church, just as your disciples did and throughout human history where may we bring freedom to the captive. May we find re rejectable, overlooked, marginalized people that no one's caring for, and may we care for them, Lord, during this time. Lord, may we bring hope to the human race. May we bring the presence of Jesus to people. Lord, thank you that, that nothing stops your love and your grace from getting through to us. Nothing stops you from getting us to the other side of the lake. So we trust you, Lord. We turn to you, and we need you, and we thank you that you are with us. In Jesus' name, if you're praying with me, just say amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing, both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.